I didn't want it to be something that was a burden on my family because I'm already gone a lot as it is working and doing different things. So a lot of my training was like super late at night after the kids are in bed and it was a lot of really cold miles in snow and when it's snowing and, and stuff like that. Running 100 miles seems impossible and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, but we believe in big crazy dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Trail to 100, the podcast made to help you finish your first 100-mile race. My name is Jacob Bateman, and joined along with me today, if you're joining on our YouTube video, it looks like nobody's next to me except Jesus hanging on our back wall, but my beautiful and lovely wife, Melody, is with me in the interview. She's just out making herself a frozen burrito right now, if you could hear in the background, but as... Our guest today, we had Heath Forbush join us. Now, Heath is first and most importantly, a father of two kids, married. He owns his own landscaping business. And on top of all that, he ran 100 miles. And not only did he run 100 miles, but he ran a self-supported 100 miles. So, we were able to talk to Heath and figure out how he was able to accomplish that through all that responsibility and how he was able to plan his own race and what led to him ended up having to plan his own race. He shares a lot of good tips for, for parents out there on how he made it work for him. He shares a lot of good tips about first time ultra mistakes that he made <laughs> that he had to end up enduring through for his first couple ultras. Um, and how he was able to endure it, and then, you know, what he learned from them. Um, and honestly, he just ha has a great story about perseverance and putting your head down and grinding. Um, so, had a great talk with Heath. We really enjoyed it. I hope you guys do as well. Remember to check out our website, trailto100.com, if you want to read more about Heath. We have a little write-up that he did posted on trailto100.com. And uh, so, let's get to it. Heath Forbush. Well, Heath, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We are so excited to chat with you and hear how you ran 100 miles. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm actually really excited ever since you reached out. I've been really looking forward to meeting other people here in the this Utah community who are kind of in the same boat as me, just running when they can. So I've been excited to talk a little bit about what you guys have going on share a little bit about what I've got that I've had going on. So I'm excited that we have a local on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we get a lot of Midwestern people, lots, quite a few people from back East. And so we got to get local every once in a while. So yeah. Keith. So like, as you said, you, you about being excited to meet more runners in the area, you're relatively new to the ultra running world, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I've only been running for a couple years now. So, so what got you into the sport then? So I, I had my own landscaping business and at the time, a couple years ago, I was doing 120 lawns every week 
and it was just me and one helper. And so with that, I was walking a lot. So my, you my help like 15 to 25 miles a day or something. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So like my little help, help <laughs> app on my iPhone was saying like some really long days, it was closer to 25. And then some of the lighter days, it's like 15. So I seeing that, I thought I was in really good shape, but, but yeah, it also gave me a lot of time to listen to different podcasts. So I would bounce around and, and found different, different people came across Cam Haynes and David Goggins. And I was more familiar with Cam Haynes, but I think more runners know who David Goggins is than Cam Haynes. But yeah, both of them are just crazy, crazy runners who put in a lot of, a lot of miles every week. So, so that just kind of got me interested and, and it just snowballed from there. So you listen to Cam Haynes, you listen to David Goggins' book. Did did you listen to his book? Yeah. Yeah, I've listened okay. to both David Goggins' books. And then Cam came out with the book recently too that was that was pretty good. So Okay. Oh go ahead. So what about their books or their podcasts that, that as you're listening, like what about running an ultra like called to you or made you think like, you know, cause there's a lot of things that catch my interest, but then I, you know, time flies by and I never end up doing what about that was like, Whoa, I want to do that. Yeah. Like what led to action? Yeah. Just hearing David's story in his first book, can't hurt me. Just how he talked about everything he'd been through and just how like he needed I don't know, something to work towards and something to just do every day and put in the work and to become mentally tough. I don't know. It just seemed like something fun to try, honestly. Sounds weird, <laughs> but but it also... Makes sense to us. <laughs> I also have two kids. I have a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. My eight-year-old's a boy and then the younger is a girl. And just... Seeing them go through certain things, they have their own challenges like we all do. And just, I wanted to, to do more to be an example for them. And particularly my daughter, she, she was born with certain physical challenges and just seeing her overcome like doctor's expectations and, and struggling to do certain tasks that most of us take for granted. Just seeing her do that, I was like, what am I doing in my own life to, to push myself? Like I'm doing the regular stuff, like just being a dad and, and trying to run a business. And, and I just wanted to show both my kids that we can do so much more than we think we're capable of. That's awesome. That was one of my favorite things. in in the write up you gave us, I just feel like there's such a heavy emphasis on, on family and, and doing this for your family and doing this for your kids. And, I think that's awesome. So you decided to take action and you say that you signed up for a 50 miler on Antelope Island. Before you signed up for this race, did you do anything before that? Did you ever do any 5Ks, any marathons, or did you just go from never running to signing up for a 50 mile race? (laughs) I think maybe I did one 5K once with a couple of my buddies when I was (laughs) a lot younger. And we just showed up. We didn't sign up for the race or anything. We just hopped in with the pack and took off. But other than that, my experience for running was was very minimal. 
So that's awesome. Okay. And so, and you feel like because you're doing landscaping and you're, and you're on your feet all the time, that's what gave you the confidence to sign up for a 50 without doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And like during, during that time I was listening to Goggins book and listening to Cam Haynes and following him on, on Instagram. And you're um, just ready to go big or go home. I'm just like, yeah, I can do what these guys are doing. No problem. And so the first day that I go for a run, I'm just like, I'm going to see how far I can go. And I knew nothing about pacing, none of that. And I just took off, started running, was running like fast for me, which was like seven to eight minute miles. I mean, just like, <laughs> just, just pushing. But like by mile seven, I was like starting to really blow up. And I, I ended up going 15 miles, but by the end, my quads were like blown out. And <laughs> the next couple weeks at work, um, doing the lawn, doing the lawns and stuff, I, I was like limping everywhere. I was sore for, for a while. Hey, that's so. good training for, for a hundred <laughs> like that on sore legs. That, that just, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, yeah, these guys are doing it. I can do it. My legs are oh, in yeah. shape, but learn fast that running shape and walking shape are not, not the same at all. Right. Yeah. You're using different muscles. I was just going to say David Goggins book makes you feel like you can do that though. Cause he's like, yeah. I didn't train. He went and finished it. Right. <laughs> so. yeah. is like, I didn't train for my first hundred and I didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I'm just curious, how long did it take you to run that 15 miles? Do you remember? I want to say like 14 hours, which is pretty, pretty slow on the course that it was, at. it was on Antelope Island here in Utah and it's fairly flat, but I just, the first half I was, they're like, you're in second place. And then the second half I'd like fell apart. I, I was having all sorts of stomach issues. Like the morning of the race, I go to Walmart to get all my supplies, things I'd never eaten before. And now I know that like the little squeeze bottles that you have in your vest and the camelbacks, that stuff just bothers my stomach. I think the taste, it's just, oh. I, I, Something in the plastic. All that, yeah, all that combined, I just, I was having stomach issues for the whole second half of that wow. 50 miles. And oh, man. yeah. And then also somebody said that like, as I was just doing a little research, somebody said baby powder was a good for lubricant. No, it was not. <laughs> so I was having stomach problems. It's like shaving problems. Like, oh, it was terrible. That, and that my, sounds sounds about right for yeah. <laughs> and at mile 40 uh, a 75 year old man passed me on the trail it was <laughs> one, of the, one of the most humbling experiences of my entire life just seeing him obviously he's probably a lot more seasoned in the sport than me but still it's like yeah. there's a big age gap there <laughs> You know, that's going to happen on every single ultra. There's always that one old guy or that one old lady. Like, what what race was it? Was it Dead Horse when you had that, like, Indian lady just, oh, yeah. like, run past you? She wasn't even wearing no, shoes. No, it yeah, it was a Dead Horse. Some lady not even, like, wearing shoes. At, <laughs> it, I was at mile 40, and, and she's, I'm dying, and she all of a sudden just comes. I hear her little pitter-patter of feet. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a normal run. And I see she's not even wearing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and she yeah. passes me up like a like a fairy yeah yeah almost like oh, a, like a ghost in the night and i'm like 
well, maybe I could try to keep up with the shoeless lady. And <laughs> and I ended up sticking with her for a bit. But, uh, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, your, your 75-year-old man experience, I was actually on a running Facebook group earlier today, and someone was asking for the top advice for their first 50-miler. And someone commented, and it was like one of the most liked comments that said, that 70-year-old guy that you're passing at mile five will pass you at mile 40 and look as strong <laughs> as ever when he does. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Well, that's, I mean, you powered through it, though. I mean, that's, first 50 miles is a big deal. And Yeah, I think book. the walking from the mowing is what kept me going. Like, just that whole second half, I was like averaging 15 minute miles and just walking it because my stomach was killing me. Like, I, I don't know. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, amazing when you cross the finish line, right? Like, didn't you feel so good that you're able to power through all of the hurt and, and or finish? relief that you're done? Yeah. I mean, so I use that, I use Strava. And so I also have the setting where it tells you every half mile that, that, um, you've done a half mile. And so okay. I, I actually, it, in my headphones, it said 50 miles and I was still like two or three miles away from the finish line. Oh, and so scary. it was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, but it like gave me a little bit of time to compose myself before I met up with my wife at the finish line. Cause when it said 50 miles, like it was, it was kind of emotional just knowing that I put in the work and, and did it, even though it didn't look very pretty, but yeah, I did it. Doesn't so. ever look pretty? I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to look pretty. I think that's part yeah. of the beauty the awesomeness. Of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, after you did that fifty miler, what made you say, "I think I can go for a hundred? I, I think that the hundred was always the goal, but I'm uh, like, I gotta start somewhere. I don't. Yeah. I don't really want to like start with half marathon marathon i think 50 miles that's doable and then the next step was just the hundreds so right that's so funny i feel like everyone has a different mindset i think there's a lot of people in the world who would not be like oh 50 miles sounds doable <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it just goes back to like what i was seeing on that health app every day i'm like if i can do 25 miles walking in a day 50 miles is if that's all I'm doing, I'm not like doing all the other stuff that goes along with my job. It's like, I think it's oh, doable. Totally. Well, and I was also going to say, most people can't just go run 15 miles without any kind of training. So it definitely being on your feet that much definitely helps. It's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, so I, uh, I got a question, especially as a new parent, about how you did this. Uh, Sometimes so, we're selfish on this podcast, yeah. and we just ask questions <laughs> that we want to know. Um, <laughs> as you were training for your first 50 and even into your fir first 100, then as you rolled that over, did you ever think to yourself, like, this is too time-consuming, or how am I going to fit this in with my training? Like, how did you deal with, like, the time management and getting in all your runs and your training fit into your busy schedule. Cause you also run your own business too. So I can't imagine being a father of two, you got a wife, you got kids, you got a business. I know that's probably time consuming enough, let alone throwing in training for a hundred. How did you find time to make the training happen? Okay. That's a, 
That's a good question because I feel like on podcasts and like different influencers on social media, you hear a lot of different things and you just got to do what works for you. I feel like some people will tell you one thing and another group will tell you another thing and that advice cancels each other out. And so you just figure out what works for you. And for me, I didn't want it to be something that was a burden on my family because I'm already gone a lot as it is working and doing different things. So a lot of my training was like super late at night after the kids are in bed and it was a lot of really cold miles in snow and when it's snowing and, and stuff like that. Um, so I would do it just at night. Sometimes I have, I was just thinking about this before the podcast. I had the thought this treadmill right here, a couple nights, my daughter's like, oh, I can't go to sleep. And so I just set her up like a little bed down here in, in our basement on the floor and she fell asleep watching a movie while I ran on the treadmill. That's awesome. So yeah, you just got to do what works, works for you. And then on the weekends when my training plan that I came up with when I was doing longer miles, I'd just get up early in the morning and there would be like a couple hours, maybe that an hour or two where I'm not at home when the kids are just waking up. But, But yeah, I tried to sleep definitely wasn't wasn't getting as much sleep <laughs> as I probably should have. <laughs> sleep was what was sacrificed. Yeah, and like I said, there's people who are like, "Oh, you can't, you can't do that." Like, yeah, you need your sleep. And I just say, you got to do what works for you because there's people like I said, Cam Haynes is a big inspiration for me. And that guy, he worked. He just recently retired, but he worked a normal job for 25 years. And was getting up at three o'clock in the morning every day to run. He tried to do like a marathon a day. And I know he didn't do that, but he was putting in a lot of miles. So, and so there's that end and people think he's crazy. And then there's other people who like, you got to prioritize sleep. But I'm no expert. I just think you got to do what works for you and, and your family. So Totally. Yeah. I like that you run at night because I think the story we hear most of the time is the campaign story of three I get up at morning. three in the morning and, and do my workout. And I think there's some people out there who would much rather run at night than get up at three o'clock in the morning and run. So that's an option too. You don't have to get up that early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's great advice though. Cause I mean, it makes me think as we have a three month old boy now who struggles to sleep at night that, Maybe when I'm up with him, I just, I, I got a treadmill right over here next to us. That, That's not a bad idea. <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to be up, why not make it an effective time yeah. up, right? You know, rather Get than a, just, If you got one of those bassinets that rocks, just set them right next to you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Put in some miles. Even if you're just walking or a speed hike or whatever on the treadmill, like just getting something in, you know. Or even put him, put him in one of those like baby carriers. Like, I I don't know how, like if he's strong enough, but I've definitely done a lot of hiking miles carrying kids too. So it it helps in your training. (laughs) It's a a weighted vest, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. You know, and I, before we had our kid, I've always been the kind of person who's like, sleep comes first. You should never, ever, ever sacrifice (laughs) sleep. Like I just have preached that. And, and now I'm like, 
I, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm like preaching this to people with kids and I'm like, that's, yeah. you know what? You just, you're going to miss out on sleep sometimes. So, yeah. so after you're 50, uh, what lessons did you take away from the 50 miler? Maybe the training or the actual race itself that you're like, now this is what I'm going to change or this is what I'm going to keep doing in order to now run a hundreds. Did you change anything up after the 50? Not so much. I mean, the three things, the three main things I learned we kind of, kind of already hit on were like, just get a plan. Don't just go start running. Like I started, when I started training, I did that one run and blew up my legs. But then after that, I'm like, I got to run 10 miles a day. And so I was doing that for a while and got plantar fasciitis super bad and was dealing with that during the 50 mile race. So come up with a plan and kind of re- do a little research and then figure out like on your longer runs, figure out what sits well in your stomach. So you're not having stomach issues, which when I did my hundred, I didn't run into that same problem. So, so that was good. And what was the last thing that I, so those are two trying to think what I said, you guys have that in the notes. Yeah. So come up with a plan when you start doing longer runs, what kind of food and then, Oh, find good anti-chafing loop. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We did hit on that. Don't use baby powder. (laughs) (laughs) Or I also heard Yagen say desitin, which use new parents, you know, like diaper cream. Yeah. Desitin is terrible too. Don't, don't try that. (laughs) Good to know. So find something, test it out on your runs. Yeah. All this is kind of like, you would think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Try it before you're going to do the race. But, but so I think you've never done it before. It's a whole new world. There's, you know, there's just things you don't think about. Okay. But, so so oh, those okay. were the main, you know, I was just going to say, those are the main, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like practical tips. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as like, like getting something out of the training, I just, I would do all these runs, something that I hadn't really done. So I was, seeing people out running when I was doing my training, not typically at night, but sometimes on like my Saturday runs. And I just thought, you know what? I don't know how long these guys have been running. They could be on mile one or mile 50 for all I know. And I just took that to heart and just thought, you know what? We're all going through stuff in life in general. People could be on mile one and not going through anything too tough, but people could also be on mile hundred, just gritting their teeth and trying to get through it. So we just should be kind to others is one thing that I, that I learned during that training just not be so judgmental. I love that. And, and maybe don't compare yourself to others. I just think about, yeah, exactly. Cause you don't know where people are at. You can't compare. Yeah. I, so. and I, I think, well, it just made me think about times when, I've been running and maybe it's been a long run and I'm like on mile 20 and then like old lady passes me and, and I start to feel bad. And I, I, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying, or, or someone passes me and I'm like, well, they don't know that I'm on mile 20 and maybe they're just on mile one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Make yourself feel better. Yeah. 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 So you just give yourself grace too. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't know where other people are at and, so you, yeah, you just, you just can't compare. It, it doesn't yeah. do anybody any good to, to compare. So. Right. Run your own race, run your own run. It's, yeah. I like that a lot. 
So, okay. So you said that you learned how to come up with some kind of plan. So what, what things did you learn and how did you make your plan? Like what was kind of the basis of your hundred mile plan? So I'd still say I'm not super good at planning, (laughs) but I did find something online that it had three different options. It's like, like if you just want to finish, you do this plan and it's a, it was a six month plan. If you just want to finish, you do this one. If you want to be like PR, you do this one. And if you want to like be on the podium, you do the the last one. And so I just picked the one. I just want to, I just want to finish. And it, it wasn't that plan wasn't running 10 miles a day. It was like, you have some long runs, you have some short runs, you have some tempo runs. And I didn't, I never followed it perfectly because six months is a long time and you got life that comes up, but I just tried to like, at least have some kind of a mix that I wasn't like running the same tempo, like pushing, like I learned my first run. You don't want to just go out all out (laughs) every run. You got (laughs) to, So I, like I said, I'm no expert, but just like having a mix of like doing some more tempo runs and, and then just having long runs and just putting the time in on your feet. Yeah. That's kind of, okay. I think that honestly, I think that's great. Yeah. And like, if you're trying to make your first plan for your first hundred, like that's great advice. You got to mix it up, you know, don't do all slow runs. You got to throw in some tempo runs. You, you also know? don't want to burn out mentally. Yeah. If you're just running slow every single day. That can get yeah. super But you monotonous. don't want to do it as fast every day. You're going to get hurt. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, <so>. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that, yeah, I think that's, that's actually really good advice there yeah. for planning your first hundred. And, and we don't expect you to be an expert. This is just, what did you do? People yeah. just want to know how, how did you do it? You know? Yeah. How did the people's champ do it? So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But. <laughs> just, just curious. Did you ever throw in like high intensity sprinting or was all your speed work was all tempo stuff? Yeah. See, like I, not, not really sprints ever. Okay. I just know if I was a listener, I would want to know that. So like, yeah, I don't, I, so some runs would be a little bit faster pace and some runs would be a slower pace. And like, so I don't even know if I'm using the terms. Correctly. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I would be like, like a tempo, Run different right? pieces. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes okay. I'd be like, this may kind of be sprinting, but I didn't feel like I was going that fast. I would like pick out the telephone poles cause I live around me there's a bunch of farms and there's telephone poles and so i'd be like from this telephone to that telephone pole i'm gonna go not all out sprint but pretty quick and then the next one i'm gonna walk and then and just kind of alternate and it was surprising that like looking at my strava it would still say i was like averaging the same like the same speed minutes per mile type thing even though yeah. I was walking some and running some. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's actually, yeah, super, that is super interesting. That's how, that's how you can get speed work in without getting out of your like base zones. Anyways, I'm, I won't get super into it, but I, I could like dive into 80, 20 running <laughs> right now. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, isn't that cool? But anyways, well, let's get, let's get to the exciting stuff. The actual <laughs> race itself. First off, the day before, let's go day before. How are you feeling? Are you feeling prepared? You feeling confident or are the nerves like, holy crap, what have I signed up for? 
So for for the hundred, yeah, for the hundred. So wait, wait, yeah, we need to. We need to I actually so did my. You... I attempted a hundred miles. Uh, same same race that Antelope Island race. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah let's yeah. go there. Let's let's go there. The first. So. Attempt. So yeah, I I mean I was excited. Not, I don't think I was really nervous, but more so excited because I I knew that it was gonna hurt. And it was gonna be hard and. And this year I wasn't having plantar fasciitis, but I was having really bad shin splints. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had KT tape prepared and like, like YouTubed how to, how to tape that type of injury. And I was like, we're just gonna, gonna go for it. Like you're never going to feel perfect. So you might, yeah. you just gotta, just gotta do it. So I love how this is a compliment. I love how ghetto this all is. I love you're like Google a plan, <laughs> YouTube how to tape my shins. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Well, that's one thing. Like, like if you go on social media, one advice is get a coach. Which there's definitely benefits to that. I I never done it because I have two kids and we've got lots of stuff going on and it's just not in the budget to do it. So it's like, right. like I said, everybody has to do what works for them. So, right. 100%. Yeah. So tell us about that first. The listeners don't know what happened on that first race. What happened on that hundred mile attempt? Yeah, it was, it like the first, I don't know, 40 or so miles, things were going really good. But then my shin started acting up way like super bad. And at that point I was like, there's no way I'm going to finish this race. Like I was just like feeling kind of down. Like there's no way I'm finishing this race, but I got to the next aid station and taped up my shin. And well, before I even got to that aid station, I came across the kid who was who was out on the trail and he had like rolled both his ankles and he was really, really struggling and just having like 10, 15 minutes with him, just chatting. It kind of lifted both of our spirits and gave us energy to keep going. And then when I came into the next day station, I taped up my shin, picked up a pacer. And then by mile 50, 50, 60 in there, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to finish this race. So like I, it was a complete 180. There's definitely highs and lows over a hundred miles. And so I'm like, there's no way I'm not finishing. But at around mile 80, the weather turned really bad. And we'd had some things blow in and it was raining hard, but it just came in and went. But then these snow squalls blew in and I'm out there. And there's people doing shorter distances who aren't wearing, they're not wearing any type of, they're short shorts and tank tops. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're all turned around. They're like, do we go this way? Do we go that way? And I like have my head down like this, trying not to get peppered by all this like sleet coming down. And when I ran into those people, I'm like, okay, this, this is not smart. I feel like I could have finished. Like, there's no doubt I could have finished that race but we were coming to a section where you needed it was a little bit rockier i mean antelope island's fairly flat but there is a small section where it's kind of rocky and i'm like i can't risk slipping and injuring myself i've got a wife and kids who depend on me and 
some people might say, oh, that's an excuse to not finish. And so, but I'm like, it's not worth it to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So at mile, like around 85 miles, I was just like, I'm, I'm done. And then wow. all the aid stations had actually blown away, like the, the canopies and stuff. <laughs> so they, they canceled the rest of the race. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't so if I was a little bit faster, I would have finished before that all blew in, but it, it yeah. just wasn't in the cards. Well, would they have even let you continue if you wanted to? I thought the whole race was just off at that point. I I don't know. I think it kind of depends. Like, I know there were a few people who were a little bit farther ahead of me that were kind of past that tougher spot mm-hmm. that they just, they, they ended up finishing. So, and then the faster group finished well before all that stuff happened. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there weren't going to be aid stations because there were a couple aid stations that I would have passed while I was out there yeah. that wouldn't have been there if I had kept going. Yeah. But, yeah. Which would have made it even aid stations at that point of the race, in my opinion, are crucial. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, it sounds like you made it's a just, call. <laughs> yeah. I just always have like Goggins in the back of my head. Yeah. Like, right. Suck it up. <laughs> you gotta you gotta push through yeah, sometimes like, it can okay. be a little toxic <laughs> so yeah. it's funny though because we were actually out on the island that day too uh oh, yeah. my father was running his first 50 and that day yeah we do have a couple other podcasts of people who talk about this so i'll put those in the show notes yeah yeah we've had a couple people <laughs> ryan head also a former uh guest of the podcast was out on he was out there on the island that day too, attempting his first hundred as well. Um, okay. but he ended up dropping a little earlier due to other reasons. But anyways, yeah, it was a all out blizzard out on that island. It was insane. <laughs> it and was the wind. nuts. So yeah, it was, you know, Melody's father kind of, he was out doing his 50 and he was 23 miles in when it struck what, and, and he uh, got pulled. And- yeah. And he kind of was, had beat himself up though because he is like you made the same decision was like this isn't safe i'm not prepared for this kind of well, no, terrain. It wasn't like, like you said no one had the gear yeah like yeah it, no yeah one those shorter distance that were doing like i think there was even like a 30k or like a really short distance and yeah i was like what are like you guys doing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. this is insane yeah oh, it was nuts <laughs> yeah but anyways so like you said though like goggins is always there in the back of your head i know exactly what you're saying <laughs> you know like you, you could have pushed what what the heck you yeah, do afterwards you, you're like you quit like you know? yeah like, well i i almost i almost like because my parents were there kind of being my crew and my wife and my kids were there that morning and i was oh. like you know what i'm just gonna I'll just see you guys at home because I don't live too far away from where the race is. And that causeway is like 10 miles long and I could have hit a hundred miles to just get home. (laughs) (laughs) But they're like, no, just get in the car. I was like, but I want to do, do a hundred. Like that was the goal. And so ever since that day, I just kind of had a a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, I can do a hundred. Yeah. I gotta, gotta prove it to myself that I can do it. So, so when did you finally decide then, ah, screw it, I'm not going to wait for a race next year. I just want to do it now, and I'm just going to do my own 100. Well, yeah, I mean, time, time's definitely limited. 
with like having a family and stuff and race options usually you have to register super early and or the dates that at the races i was looking at they weren't they weren't good and so i was like you know what for my 33rd birthday that's what we're doing i'm gonna run 100 miles yeah (laughs) how long after the antelope did you decide this I don't, I don't, I can't remember to be honest. Like it was right after that I was started looking for, looking okay. for options of things to do. Cause I'm like, I could have done it. What was I thinking? Why didn't I just keep going? Yeah. <laughs> so like before the year ends, I'm doing one. And yeah. yeah so the, the search start, started, but it was probably maybe a couple months later that I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to plan my own. Just gonna so, do it. I, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, like when when you dropped out of the race, it's like you also kind of have to be like, well, what what's done is done, you know. Like you did yeah. the best you could with with what was happening at the time, and who knows, maybe if you did keep going, maybe something bad would have happened, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, and now you have a super cool story. So, <laughs> so how did you? map the course or what did you do? Like, what was your plan going into yeah, what race was next day? How do you story? plan your own hundred mile race? Well, I was just, for me, like the people who were going to be supporting me were my family. So I'm not going to like go somewhere super far away that makes it hard on them. So I'm like, it's gotta just all be as convenient as running a hundred miles can be. We've got to make it feasible for, for the people who are going to support me. So I just, from training for different races, I knew how far, like from my front door to the mountain, I knew how far that was. And I'm like, okay, well, this trail to that trail is another certain amount. So over the summer in preparation, I just picked different sections to go test out and figure out exactly how far they were. It all started on my hunting app I use on X, you can like do line distance to like figure stuff out. And that's, that's where I started. And then I would go run to make sure I was actually calculating it, correcting or drawing it correctly and stuff. So, but yeah, that's how it started. (laughs) So you drew this, was it going to be like a 50 mile out and back or what was your thinking? Yep. Yeah. I was just like, I'm going out my front, front door and once i hit 50 miles i'm turning around and going home i like i think maybe like a week or i i don't know when the name popped into my head but i'm just like i'm calling this the front porch 100 and that's the name i gave it so I love it. I love. I that. think that is an awesome name. <laughs> Can we make it a race where we all start at your house and, and well, we run a hundred miles every year? <laughs> I think it yeah. would be cool to just like if it became a thing that people just did it. They're like, yeah. I'm going to do my own front porch 100, and they do their yeah. own map it out. And maybe that's like a virtual. Cool. Yeah, there's your business idea. <laughs> yeah. Create a virtual race for the front porch hundred and send out medals to the people <laughs> yeah. who do it. Anyway, so from my understanding then, what you were thinking is so you live about ten miles from the mountains, the base of the mountains, from a trailhead, and then you would run to the mountains and then you were gonna go up the mountain and run on the top of the mountain. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. All right. Yeah, what happened during the actual race, though? So, yeah, I had originally planned it for November. My birthday is November 2nd. And that weekend, I think it was November 3rd, was a Friday. And so that's the day I had originally planned. But the route I chose, they closed the access to the canyon on November 1st. And for, for somebody running it, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal, but my parents needed, and my wife needed to be able to access the Canyon to, to do the, like the crew, crew stuff. Right. And so I was like, I bumped it a week, a week, uh, I bumped it up a week and the day before I, I was going to do it, it snowed up in the mountains, (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy because the, the next couple weeks, it got really hot for that time of year. And it was like great weather. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so it didn't, I did, we were about 30 miles in and we were hitting that part and it just wasn't really passable for like vehicles, even even like my dad, he has a side by side and he was the one up there in the mountains with us just riding around on that. And he went ahead. He's like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really bad. And it was also really cold up there. And I had to take into account that like my parents were helping me and I don't want them sitting out in the cold all night long. Right. <laughs> so right. yeah, we had to call an audible on like the route. So the route changed. We came back down from the tops of the mountains and then just ran on a lower trail um, at a lower elevation. Where there wasn't snow then down yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. And so it, it made it hard because I'm like, these were trails I'd never even been on before. Yeah. And so I'm like having to recalculate do math in my head which when you haven't slept you're like trying to figure out how far you need to go so that when you turn around and go back when you get back to your front door it's 100 miles so (laughs) yeah see this is why a self-supported hundred is harder than an actual hundred <laughs> because an actual hundred you just follow flags. <laughs> yeah. Now you have to pull out your map and do all the math and anyway. Yeah, but but it was like it wasn't like even when I was talking to my dad when we were like, okay, what are we gonna do? Even like he was saying, like I want you guys still to do this. It wasn't like let's just pull the ripcord and call it quits. It's like let's figure out how to do it because there was no way I was looking to let what happened earlier that year happen again. We're like, we're doing this hundred miles no matter what. So we just had to figure it out. That's good. You had a good support system. And yeah, I actually had a friend with me. His name, his name's Sam. And he did like one 20 mile run with me. And that's like pretty much all the, like he did a little bit of running here and there, but like zero prep. And he actually did the first 50 miles with me. Oh. And then he, he's like, he wanted to do all 100, but he's like, well, let's just go as far as we can and, and, and see how far we can get. So he, he's a total beast. Total beast. Man. Dad, I got to talk to this guy. Like, I know. I'm like, maybe we need to get him on the podcast. He sounds like the new David Goggins. Goes on one 20-mile run for, to train, and then he's like, uh. yeah, I'm ready for a 50. <laughs> well, wow. I... I don't think 
like he his hopes were to finish 100 but he's like at any point he if i'm just holding you back you just leave me and i was like no man i'll we will go at whatever pace as long as you're like wanting to keep going we'll stick together yeah. like we're i i have no time goals on this whatsoever i just want to finish 100 miles so we'll just we'll just we're in it together and but at mile 50 he was really slowing down and really hurting and so he's like yeah just go on without me and that night i do a lot of runs with my dog my dog he's a chocolate lab named dante and he was there to to pace and run with me through the night oh good yes. <laughs> he, he's he's good for about 30 miles and then he's he's like i'm done <laughs> so that, that's pretty that's good pretty that good. that's our dream we want a dog that will run at least 30 miles yeah yeah, yeah. That's, there that's... there are other breeds out there that i'm sure could do a lot more but but he that's pretty impressive for you said a lab right yeah, he's a chocolate lab. For a lab, right? Yeah, I think yeah. they're pretty good. They're not and, known to be the endurance dogs. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not fast either. Like, he just sets a good good pace. And I love running with him just because it's hard to find, like, other people who want to go out and run and, like, scheduling stuff. You have to work with the schedules, yeah. Yeah, and but for him, it's like he's up for, like – if we're running at two o'clock in the morning, he's good with that. Or he's just, <laughs> whenever he's ready to go. So there's no, no complaining from him. That, that is, that is good to have a pacer like that. <laughs> yeah. And safer too. Yeah. It's just yeah. He, he, he definitely finds all the deer that are out there. And, <laughs> and oh, man. He, he's well, like he's not super well trained, but he'll, at least listen to me and not go off and never come back when he's not chasing after deer. animals. <laughs> <The wood. laughs> Anyways, we could go. Well, I could go off on the dog story. Tangent. We could do a, a podcast one day just on running with a dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So what was it like to come into that finish line to turn down your street that you live on and see your front porch and know that you were had finally got that first hundred mile finish. Well, so like mile eighty to ninety, those were the toughest ten miles of the whole thing. Like that, well, especially I was off the mountain now. Yeah, so well, I was still for that little section. I was still like running the trail. The last mm -hmm. ninety to a hundred, that was all on road. But eighty to ninety, it was like the sun just came up and. I got a little bit of food and like I'd been going for however, like the first 18 or the first 50 took us 18 hours. Like we were, like I said, we ran into snow. I was with a friend who didn't really run. We were just, just chugging along. And then the second half took about 15 hours. And so, um, yeah, just the timing of it coming into the morning, I was just beat. And at that, at mile 90, 90 ish is when I met up with my parents for that, like last aid station, I got a little bit of caffeine and I don't know, the last 10 miles were some of the best miles of the whole thing. <laughs> like I was awesome. doing some caffeine, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. <laughs> it, 
yeah, it was just crazy. Just coming down, like, cause most of it was downhill. Cause like I live out West where it's really flat. And then as the more East you go, you get to the mountains and it's, uh, it's uphill. And so that last 10 miles was downhill. I had a couple of miles where I was like around a nine minute mile and I'm like, okay, I'm going to run two miles, walk one. And then it kind of just alternated like that. Maybe walk a mile, run a mile. And, but yeah, turning that, that last corner to get to my house, it was, I don't know. I don't like, it was like, yeah, I did it. But at the same time, what, yeah, yeah. I was like (laughs) kind of expecting to feel a certain way. And I mean, definitely felt like, yeah, if I only did a hundred miles, but I was, I don't know. I don't know what my expectations were of how I was supposed to feel, but just seeing my, my parents and my wife and kids and my daughter, she, she came and, and, and ran in the last little bit with me. And my son had actually met up a couple miles out and he rode his bike with me the last few miles. And, and yeah. And then I, maybe the last 50 yards or so, I held my daughter's hand and she, she just skipped. (laughs) She didn't want to, she didn't want to try and run. She just was skipping along. (laughs) That's so And so it was, yeah, I mean, it it was really, it was an awesome experience for sure. I, uh, I like how you say, uh, like, you know, it was anticlimactic at the end. Like there wasn't any grand, like epiphany that hit you or anything. I was actually, (laughs) I was talking with a friend today on a run this morning and, he he ran his first hundred this past year and he was saying the same thing he's like you know when i look back at my hundred i don't actually really look back at the finish it's more like the moments that came throughout that hundred mile race slash also the training that i look back with with a lot of fondness you know like i had these little wins happening throughout the race and throughout the training that that's that's where you know the the i really felt like I accomplished something or, or overcame something, you know, I don't yeah, know. Like what sure. you yeah. said with you when you're 50 in your 50 mile race, when your watch deemed 50 miles, you know, you had a little moment there, felt a little emotional, like, Whoa, I did it. You know, that wasn't the finish, but you know, those little moments just well, come through. We, we call it the finish line before the finish line. It's like, I feel like in every ultra, there's always a point where you know you're going to finish and you know you kind of made it and that's kind of your spiritual or whatever you want to call it. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then after that you just you just get it you done. So it I off. I always laugh. I think the finish finishes of hundreds are just so funny because of how anticlimactic they are. It's we yeah. always talk about how it's like a few claps and like a cowbell and then you just sit down and you're done. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it was it it ended up taking 33 hours, which like I said, I was, I was doing it for my 33rd birthday. And I was like, it was like almost (laughs) on the dot 33 hours. It was crazy. But that is really cool. Also, this keeps coming to mind. Um, have you heard the country song, my front porch looking in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's I, a good. That's a great about, song. I haven't heard yeah. it for a while, but I know what oh, you're it, talking about. <laughs> it's one of the best songs in the world, I think. But I just keep thinking about this song with your with your front porch ultra, <laughs> and then I don't know. 
I just had to bring that up. And I, and I feel like and you did it for your family, you know, and it's like you saw these cool things, but the best view is your front porch looking in, right? Anyways. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> that, that is awesome. So, Heath, throughout your kind of sum things up as we got to wrap all this up, as you uh, look back on your experience of ultra running up to that 100-mile finish, like, what did you learn throughout it? Like, did you... What are your main takeaways yeah, what from are your, this whole experience? Yeah, like, like, what did you learn about yourself? Did you learn anything? What, what are you going to change? Or was it just like, oh, that was fun? Like, how do you feel looking back now? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, there's so many parallels between running and just life in general. Like, there's just so much you can learn from it. I, I just one thing about the longer distances is like, like I said, at mile 80 to 90, it was just rough, but then you hit a certain point and things change. So just like, that's the biggest takeaway for me that I find in running is just that we all have seasons in life. Some seasons are harder than others, but if you just keep moving forward, keep putting one foot in front of the others, things typically tend to work out and they typically tend to get better. And so that's, that's my biggest takeaway is just to, just to keep moving forward. And like with ultra running, it's like, if my mentality has changed, like when I did my 50, I was like, I don't even know if I can do this, but now the mentality is like, oh, I'm going to finish. It's just a matter of how much time is it going to take to finish is the question is just as long as you keep moving, it'll, you'll get there. So. I love it. Just once of a time. There's seasons and that. times. There's valleys, you know, and mountains. Aid yeah. stations. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think that's, those are great takeaways. Um, are you going to do another one? Yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of just trying to figure out, like, right now, at this season in life, doing some of these bigger ones that cost thousands of dollars isn't like. <laughs> I just can't justify doing that because it's but, not just the race entry fee, you know. Yeah, it's, it's the, all the food. It's all the new yeah. pairs of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, all the food you're going to eat travel. during training, <laughs> the travel, your crew traveling out there, their food, you know. And so I do really like. I'm not going to do the Buffalo Run out on Antelope Island again this year. I just got a lot going on with work, but. If anybody's like looking for a first time one, I think that's great because it's it's fairly affordable. It's pretty cheap, and then it's pretty flat too. So it's it's a good first one for people. And then the one I'm looking at maybe doing this fall is, I think it's called like the Pony Express here in Utah in Tooele. It's another yeah. kind of flat one, and I've heard it's kind of dusty and different things Very but well, we'll i'll be out there so we'll be oh, there, you are, yeah. have you guys done it no, no but we've had a couple well we've had one client do it and my dad is running it this year so we'll be yeah there we'll crew. be out crew and melody's dead father I, I i think at that one it, it it's it's cheaper like entry fee but you also the last time i looked at it i thought i saw that you have to 
there aren't really aid stations. You There's just not. have to it's basically a self-supported like, hundred. Yeah, got a one aid station at like mile fifty-eight, and it's like a big party that they have burgers and just growing <laughs> up and things. But yeah, but basically your crew just in their vehicle just can drive up and help you wherever you are, you know. And so I'm yeah, I'm leaning kind of towards that one, or maybe doing another, maybe do the same route I had planned, but do it earlier in the year so we don't get snowed out either either the pony express or that one just because i mean the pony express it's like you're self-supporting anyways so but you also don't have to map out the course it's all that's taken care of and you get a buckle you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. i guess you could make your own buckle for your yeah my ultra my wife she actually we do a thing for for our family everybody gets a a new Christmas ornament for something that happened that year. And she made me a Christmas ornament with like the silhouette of me and my dog running. And she put front porch 100 and like put the elevation stuff in the back. And it was cool. So I didn't get a belt buckle, but I got a cool Christmas ornament. That's way cooler than a belt buckle. (laughs) Sounds like a good wife. Oh yeah. It sounds like an awesome family. (laughs) So, Heath, if our listeners want to follow you or hear more about your crazy adventures, uh, do you have any sort of social media that they can follow you on? Yeah, yeah. So, for running, I've kind of started one, Race for What You Face. And I gave it that name or came up with that name just because, like I mentioned briefly, we have a daughter with some physical challenges that she was born with. And... I've struggled to figure out how to how to share that because I don't want to overshare with things that are personal to her. But I feel like as parents of children with that kind of stuff, there's a lot that we can lean on each other for. Like it's a it's a community, and so I I'd be happy to talk more in depth with people about what we go what we're going through. On an individual level, if anybody wanted to reach out, race for what you face is my running thing. And then just Heath thought Forbush is my, my personal Instagram. So they can reach out to either one of those. Perfect. And we'll put those in the show notes. Well, perfect. Heath, you, uh, you blow us away. Like, honestly, your story is. I think uh, it's very, I love your humility about it because we ourselves have run 100 miles self-supported and I remember being at mile 70, we had to reroute about that mile 70-ish and trying to calculate in my head, uh, reroute and and, yeah. <laughs> and telling my crew, okay, I want you meet me here. Because you're the race director and too. And then you meet me yeah. here, you know, like this is where I'm going and it's it's just so much more that you have to deal with in your head and, and giving direction that I just have so much respect for anyone who does that. So congrats on running a hundred miles and uh, we are, we're excited to see what you do moving forward. No, no, thanks for, thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and yeah, we got to get out on the trails one of these days since we're, we're both locals here to, Utah. Sure. Let's hit up Antelope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you, Heath. We appreciate you coming on. So a big thank you goes out to Heath Forbush for coming on the podcast today, sharing us his self-supported 100 mile story.
super inspirational. Uh, he was super humble, and he shared lots of good advice. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Melody, what's your main takeaway from our conversation with Heath? Honestly, I just love how he did this for his family. He said in the write-up that we did, we asked what drives you to keep doing ultras. And he said, the main thing that pushes me to keep doing ultras is my family. And he just, he talked about how he wanted to uh, show his kids that, you know, you, you can do anything you set your mind to. And yeah, agreed. I think uh, that is such a good motivation for an ultra to find something outside of just yourself and like for to do it for your family. There's nothing better to do it for your kids to show them right. that they can do big, crazy things well, that they can achieve yeah, their well, dreams. Just because, like, I get that for the first time. Yeah, having a kid now, and I just feel like everything I do, I do it for you. I just love that song. Anyways, uh, <laughs> everything I do, I do it for you. You're in the song, and <laughs> and now and now for Travis too, and it just. It just makes everything that we do so much more meaningful and it makes me want to be the best version of myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really liked when he shared about how he got his training in at night and how when his daughter was up at night that there's you our hear our microwave. That's my frozen burrito in the microwave. <laughs> microwave was going off. Sorry, guys. Um, but as his daughter was up at night, that he just hit, put her in a little bed next to the treadmill and he hit the treadmill. Well, because that's the kind of stuff that we've had to do. Yeah, you that, know? that's realistic because I've, I've been struggling with how am I going to get my training in um, because it's been crazy since having a kid. And I've gained so much more respect for parents who do it after oh, yeah. experiencing it. And I've only been in the game for three months. <laughs> yeah. um, but what Heath uh, shared there of just, you know, if the kid's up, then, you know, just put him in. Like Travis, I can hold him. I can put him in a little carrier and I can go walking on the treadmill. So if, if I hear the treadmill at three in the morning, yes. I'll know what you're doing. You'll know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Then I won't have to go get my run in at six in the morning because I got it in at three and then went back to sleep. sleep in an hour, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there we go. But that was, I really liked that, what he had to share there. So anyways, another Thank you goes out to Heath. Make sure you go give him a follow on Instagram. Uh, excited to see what he does out there and what his next big adventure is going to be. For sure. If you want to read the write-up that he sent us, uh, that is on our website. Also on our website, if you're interested in Chalda 100 swag or if you're interested in Chalda 100 coaching, you can check it out there. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We really do appreciate you taking the time to to support us and to support our guests here on the trail to 100 and remember if you want to run a hundred miles make, make it, it happen, happen.